We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we're finally free. The Bulls season is over. The Bulls lose their final game in the play-in tournament, a 102-91 road loss to the Miami Heat. The Heat now move on to face the Milwaukee Bucks in the 1-8 matchup. The Bulls get to go to Cancun and start their summer vacation. One, uh, two, three. Absolutely had a chance in this game. Kobe White hit a three-pointer with just under four minutes left, which put the Bulls up 90-87. And from there, Miami closed the game on a 15-1 to run. Uh, it was a game that really encapsulated a lot of uh, this Bulls season. Uh, it was a game that was close that they lost. So another crunch time loss for the Bulls that had been a theme throughout the year. It was a game where they couldn't hit a goddamn three pointer. Once again, eight of 28 from the three point line, 28.6%. Uh, even in the playing game, they won against the Raptors. They shot 27% from three. So uh, this has been a thing that has plagued them all year. And then the Bulls got pounded on the glass. Uh, Miami with a 51-37 advantage on the glass. Bam Adebayo was a monster. Uh, the Bulls were statistically a very good defensive rebounding team the whole year, but we knew their lack of size was going to catch up to them at some point. It was a team that you know was typically playing four guards around one center, or and oftentimes that center was Derrick Jones, so maybe even <laughs> five guards. Uh, for the second half of the season when they sort of made their run to get back into the play and mix. So this is it, dude. Bulls lose, Heat win. Uh, in a game that was truly a classic Eastern Conference rock fight. Just yeah. bad offense all around. Uh, really an ugly game. And, you know, when the chips were on the table and when it was winning time, Jimmy Butler rose to the occasion. Eric Spolster rose to the occasion, and the Chicago Bulls got smoked. Yep, absolutely. You mentioned the Eastern Conference rock fight. I mean, just 
ugly, ugly game. Uh, another game where the Bulls came out awful again, and that even they did it. They've done it so much to end this season. They were down fourteen uh, towards the end of the first quarter. They obviously reeled them back in, and they should. They really probably should have won this game. They were. They had chances. I think they went up with like five or six in the fourth quarter. They had chances to extend that lead. They just were not able to do it. Uh, it was Miami. Just I mean, Miami is not good. Uh, both of these teams obviously were playing for the right to get absolutely fucking steamrolled by the Milwaukee Bucks. And throughout this game, you just saw why these teams are so middle here. As you mentioned, the offense, like, it, I mean, these are pretty good defensive teams, aggressive defensive teams. And we saw that all game. But I mean, how many, I mean, looking at the Heat, the Heat missed, Jimmy had a huge game and he missed like five layups. Bam missed a million layups. They couldn't hit a three outside Ma- DePaul legend Max Struess, who had 31 fucking points, which is insane. Uh, their offense was terrible. But so were the Bulls offense. These were two teams that were borderline bottom five in offense, and they were better defensive teams. And we kind of just saw that play out in this slow, slow pace, ugly game that just after the Heat went up big and the Bulls kind of reeled them back in, uh, just was kind of just back and forth, nasty stuff. And yeah, as you mentioned, it came down. Kobe White hits that three with whatever, just under four minutes to go. And the Bulls didn't make another basket the entire game. It was ugly, and Jimmy took over, going to takeover mode, using his strength, scoring inside, getting, uh, I believe, multiple and ones down the stretch. Uh, and then he also just, his playmaking, we know Jimmy's just has is also a really good playmaker, found Max Struess for a three-pointer, and then he also hit Max Struess when he got fouled on that corner three-pointer that I think fouled Caruso out of the game. Those were both set up by Jimmy's drives, a drive and kick, so a full Jimmy takeover, and uh, Jimmy has been one of the best players in the league. I, Jimmy is still, I feel like, super underrated. I, I think his season has gone under the radar how good he was this year because how bad Miami is and they're just garbage and their offense stinks. But you look at Jimmy's numbers and they're awesome. And he had a rough game against Atlanta. And he, again, he missed a bunch of layups. He easily should have had 40 points in this game because he missed, he just choked on like five layups of the basket. But he ended up with 31, got to the line, took over the game late. And then the Bulls <laughs> just melted down as all season. They just could not do anything, and they lost so many crunch time games. And uh, I mean, I think we do have to bring up how Z- as good as Zach Levine was against the Toronto Raptors with 39 points, 30 in the second half. He was awful last night. I don't just bad game. I don't know if his he just kind of blew his blew his load in that Raptors game, but my God, he was so bad. Oh, of six from three. Five, I think he had five turnovers and just some really of uh, the bad sloppy turnovers where he would drive and just lose the ball. Uh, I know, like again, the Heat are good with whatever, getting deflections and steals and stuff, but just ugly turnovers. He was 6 of 21 from the field, missed a couple free throws. He was 3 of 5, and then, oh, again, 0 of 6 from 3, only 2 assists. That's 15 points, 6 of 21 shooting, 5 turnovers, 4 rebounds, 2 assists in 41 minutes. I mean, that's just a really bad Zach Levine game at the worst time. Uh, and it just kind of flipped. In the Raptors game, Zach and DeMar took over down the stretch. This game... Bulls score one point in the last three and a half minutes. And Ricky, what did you feel about Billy Donovan going away from Kobe? I mean, Kobe was, look at the plus minus, like Kobe was a minus 12, but Kobe hit multiple huge threes in that fourth quarter. He had 14 points, five of 10 shooting. He did miss five, five rebounds, four assists. He did miss uh, like a running floater kind of rimmed out on him when I think they were looking to go up five after his three pointer. And then it kind of just went to hell on them. And I think that's that's he, when he got benched. How do you feel about Billy making the move to go away from Kobe in those last couple minutes in favor of whatever this, their starting lineup? Yeah, I would have preferred Kobe in there because 
as we've talked about a little bit, the Bulls just need Kobe shooting. And in this game, only Kobe and Alex Caruso could make a three-pointer for some reason. Literally, literally uh, I think, right? They combined yeah, for They had threes. all eight yeah. of the Bulls' threes. Yeah, Caruso yeah. had all four of his in the first half as well. So Kobe was really the only person hitting a shot in the second half. I would have liked to see Kobe uh, finish the game. Absolutely. Because everyone else on the team is just too tentative to shoot. And I was screaming at the TV while watching, shoot the fucking ball, shoot the fucking ball. That was the most coherent analysis I could come up with. The Bulls turned down so many open three-pointers. There was there was one possession in that late crunch time where I can't remember who drove and kicked, but it went out to Beverly, who was I think no one was guarding with the three point line. He didn't even look at the basket. He immediately swung to Vooch, who swung to Crusoe, who ended up like shooting like a fadeaway three in the corner that was not even close. It's like yeah, Beverly, like if you're gonna be out there in, in these crunch time, you have to be ready to catch and shoot that. I know like he's not a great shooter, but like he's okay, and he's I feel like in general he's. Often willing to get up these shots, but it, he didn't want no part of that ball on that play. And it, it ended up in a fading Caruso almost air ball and brutal, brutal stuff. That's actually pretty much the signature moment of the 2022-2023 Chicago Bulls. Passing up a catch and shoot three to dribble into a worse <laughs> shot or to attempt a worse shot for somebody else. It's been happening to them the whole season. You know, dead last in three-point attempts, dead last in three-point makes. Uh, this is who the Bulls are, and especially when there were real stakes in this game, it's winner go home. You know, the Bulls just showed that they're just not confident enough three-point shooters, and you can't win in the NBA like that. The Bulls scored 91 points in an elimination game. You're not going to win an NBA elimination game scoring 91 points. This isn't 1997 anymore. You have to put up 115 points to be able to win the game, and yeah, it was pathetic. And I want to talk about Zach because – yeah. I think I said on the uh, last podcast after the Raptors game that quietly Zach hasn't been able to hit a jump shot in the last 10 games. Well, goddamn, did that <laughs> come back and bubble up to the surface in this game? Zach finishes 6 of 21, like you said, 0 of 6 from three point range, he even missed two free throws, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Uh, against Toronto, he was able to make up for his inability to hit shots by getting to the foul line and just like forcing his way to the rim. He really couldn't do that against Miami's defense. Honestly, I thought Miami's defense was absolutely incredible. Watching that game in the first quarter, I thought the Bulls were going to get smoked in this game. And I guess in the end, they really did. They lost by <laughs> 11. Uh, so Miami, you know, I think it was a five point or six point Miami spread yep. coming in. Yep. Miami, you know, doubled that up. Uh, but you could just tell the Heat's defense was so on point. They were really collapsing the paint, defending the paint so hard whenever the bulls were able to get a paint touch whenever the bulls are able to break the first line uh with a drive and bam is just incredible defensively like he's really the key for them defensively as soon as he checked out the bulls went on like a 12 to 2 run or something and like got back into the game it was verging on a blowout early uh before bam checked out and uh, you know, there was just no driving lanes open against Miami's defense. You were going to have to hit jump shots, and the Bulls couldn't hit a jump shot. And Zach Levine, I think, is one of the 10 best shooters in the NBA. For whatever reason, he hasn't been able to hit a shot at all for a while. Uh, he ended the regular season for four games in April, shooting 21% from three. He went 2-7 against the Raptors. He goes 0-6. Uh, against the Heat. And then even if you go back to his last few games in March, outside of a 3-6 game from 3 against the Hornets, 0-2 against the Lakers, 0-2 against the Clippers, 
uh, two of five against the Lakers. So he just hasn't been shooting the ball well lately. And unfortunately, that uh, that bubbled up at the worst possible time. That's a huge part of Zach's game. Like That's why Zach has a max contract. And the Bulls need Bulls. it. <laughs> they badly he, need him to make threes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's the best shooter on the team. He's one of the better shooters in the league, I think. Uh, just because, you know, a lot of the guys you'd put ahead of him are specialists. Yeah. And he's, a, you know, a full-time player. But, yeah, couldn't hit a shot. And it's just brutal because it's sort of classic Zach Levine, right? Like, he sort of has this coming out party game, best game of his career, 39 points in the elimination game against the Raptors. And two days later, it's like, well, does that game even matter? Because he's right. basically the reason the Bulls lost this game. They lost because they got pounded on the glass. They lost because no one on the team can even attempt a three-pointer, let alone make a three-pointer. But really, when the chips are on the table, they lost because Zach had a horrible shooting game. He shot 6-21. Yeah. Like, dude, you can't do that. An elimination game, you're the star. You got the max contract that you earned and deserved, I thought. Uh, and also, the Heat had 32 free throw attempts to 15 for the Bulls. So the and they actually made like, their free throws because DeMar's daughter was not there, right? No. Uh, That's right. But I mean, yeah, Jimmy, nine of 10 at the line. Bam of Bam was six of eight. And Struess was eight of eight. Obviously, he had three of those on that late, late three pointer. Um, but I mean, Max Struess, fucking 30, Max Struess, 31 points plus 27, seven threes, eight free throws. But yeah, he went 28 of 32 from the line. The Bulls only 11 of 15. I know there were some calls that were a bit, I'm not going to say the Bulls lost this game to the rep. There were a few iffy calls that. I don't know. I feel like Stan Van Gundy was like calling it out, like some block charge calls that didn't go their way. And he probably got a little home court advantage whistle. But again, I mean, Jimmy is always going to the line. DeMar got his free throws. Uh, Zach did not take as many free throws after taking, what, 15 against the Raptors. He only had five tonight. Because he was when he was driving, he was just fucking losing the ball on the way up. And just and it was just a really ugly game for him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't want to just blame it all on one guy. But when you look, I mean, DeMar had a fine game, 26 points, nine assists. He had several. Not the most efficient night for him, but uh, he had a few big and ones in the fourth quarter in the second half. Uh, I mean, Beverly didn't do shit. Caruso had four. I mean, Caruso, had, I think a season high 16 points and four three pointers. That That's like a huge benefit. I guess looking here at Vooch here, I mean, this is just a weird box score looking at this. Vooch, if this is the end of the Vooch era after the Vooch trade, 12 points. Nine rebounds, zero offensive. We talked about how the Heat, I mean, the, the Bulls have never been like a good offensive rebounding team. And by the way, Andre Drummond did make a big impact in that second half, fourth quarter. Started the would have been interesting quarter, to see yeah. if Billy would have stuck with Drummond more just because of that size. But I, you understand why you're not going to close with him. You're going to close with Vooch. But Vooch was a minus 23 in this game. 12 points, nine rebounds, zero offensive rebounds. I was talking on on with uh, Giancarlo on the Miami Heat Beat podcast before, and we were talking about the, the rebounding differential, and like he was asking, like he was wondering, like about Vooch, and like can the Bulls take advantage of Miami's rebounding struggles? Like, Miami's been a bad rebounding team all season, and they got smoked by the Hawks in the first playing game. They got out rebounded right. by like twenty something. Vooch got zero offensive rebounds. Uh, again, Drummond was the one who kind of did all of their offensive rebound. He had three offensive rebounds in 10 minutes and made a really nice impact there in the second half, but did not take advantage of that. Bam had 17 rebounds, 13 defensive, four offensive. And the Bulls, just, as you mentioned, got smoked on the glass. So, like, I had a feeling the Bulls wouldn't be able to take advantage of that because they just haven't done it all season. Outside of Drummond, they just don't get offensive rebounds. And again, Vooch with zero. And again, if this is the end of the Vooch era, which I feel like we both think it probably should be, even though he had a pretty nice season, 12 points, 
nine rebounds, minus 23, six of nine shooting. That's just a rough way to go out, man. Just, I guess probably like the perfect capper on that trade turning into a complete fucking disaster. Again, Booch had a pretty nice season. I'm not going to like going to scapegoat him for this season. Individually, he was fine, uh, but just not good enough when it mattered. And I mean, it's certainly just a quiet game. And that's not always his fault. Um, certainly, and we've talked about not one of those guys who's like, oh, they got to pound it into Booch. Got to pound it into Booch. When they would do that against Bam, Bam's just going to fucking shut that down for the most part. And they tried it early. Like he had a, Booch had a nice little run in like the few. third quarter. But Bam, just, for the most part, it's going to, is just gonna is gonna shut that kind of stuff down because he's a great defender. So rough just Vooch is I mean 12 and 9 and then six and nine shooting is like fine, but the minus 23 just crushed with them in the court, was not able to take advantage on the glass, no free throws attempts, only took one three-pointer and he missed it. Just not nowhere, nowhere near good enough. And just probably if it is the end of the Vooch here in Chicago, again, like almost a perfect capper for how this trade has kind of turned out. <sighs> We're free though. The season's over. I was mad watching the end of that game unfold, but I got over it in oh, like yeah. one second. And then oh, I yeah. was like, eh, 8% lottery chances to yeah. keep the pick. 1.8% chance at Wembenyama in the number one pick. Yeah, uh, was, in, in general, go ahead. Yeah, I so said I was out to dinner with my wife and her friend. Like I was just kind of following on my phone. And I said, like, oh, it seems like they're going to win this game. And then it, the tide turned and it was like, all right, season's over. Who gives a shit? Rig the lottery. Let's go. It's we'll go. We don't have to watch this team get smoked by the Bucks, so it's fine. Like if they would have won, cool, good for them. But it's just like okay, we said it before. Going in, like if they lose in this playing tournament, we don't care because we know this team's not going anywhere. It gives you the chance to get the draft pick. Would it have been fun to whatever watch some playoff games? Sure, but now Jerry doesn't get the doesn't get the home revenue. Maybe they'll be. I think I saw this morning that Bruce Levine of all people was like on. The score claiming that Michael Reinsdorf's like super unhappy and that big changes are coming, which I mean, hopefully that's true. Good changes coming. They need to like we've the team was mid all year and uh, they proved to be mid in this playing tournament. They should have lost the first game of the Raptors, but Jamar DeRozan's daughter saved them. And then this game, they folded down the stretch as they have so many times this season. And it's clear the team's just not good enough the way that things are set up right now. It's it gives them kind of an opportunity to do a little reset here, but. Uh, hopefully, I mean, ownership should not be happy. It was a dog shit season and they go out in dog shit fashion. So hopefully that they do have kind of a fire under their ass to make some changes. And we'll talk. A, we'll we can talk a little bit about this here. Obviously, in the moving forward, we'll have some more stuff about kind of the future here. But I guess just to start as we kind of whatever wrap this up here, like just in general to start, what would you like big what thing? What would you well, like to see kind of I guess this I got off-season, your early offseason thoughts? I got some closing remarks just on this yeah. season in general. Yeah. So the Bulls end 40 and 42, fall just short of the playoffs. Last year, they won 46 games. This year, they win 40. And that was with Lonzo playing however many games. I don't know how many he played last year. He played approximately 30 like something, maybe or two thirds of the season uh, last year. So this is about what you would expect with Lonzo being out the whole year. And that's not just in terms of how well he fit this roster. And we've talked about all the ways his specific skill set boosted this roster, but also just the simple fact that he makes $20 million and he's on the cap sheet. He's going to be on the cap sheet for $20 million next year. And he's not going to play next year either. And then after that, 
he's got a player option for more than $20 million that I'm sure he will take and probably won't play that year either. (laughs) So it is very, very hard to build a competitive team, which is what the Bulls are trying to do. They're trying to win. When you are wasting a premium salary cap slot on a guy who can't play. So I think like that's just the first thing right there. How many teams can overcome that in the NBA? Just a guy who's never going to play making that much money. So that really restricts their ability to, uh, you know, to compete, to add a piece this offseason, whatever it is. Uh, What I would like to see from the Bulls this offseason is a realization that the Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic trio is not good enough. And I would trade DeRozan. Now, they might have missed their window for the biggest haul on DeRozan at the trade deadline. But if you look around the league landscape, there's still a lot of teams who can talk themselves into being in the mix and who want to reload. And then even a team like Portland, who sucks, could be incentivized (laughs) to like try to get someone like Lamar because of Dame. Dame is like yelling at the front office openly saying, it's time to like trade. Look, these young guys on this team, get them fucking out of here. Like, I, I need veteran help. Like, he's he said it multiple times. Like, I think this is probably their last chance for him. Uh, Dallas, another team yep. that comes up. We'll see what happens Kyrie. with the Lakers, but they're always going to yep. be star hunting in the yep. offseason. So I do think the Bulls can still get a pretty decent Even Miami. return. Even Miami, for yeah. sure. They need yeah, offensive there's just, juice. There's a lot of potential landing spots. And you know what's funny, like, I've just talked to my friends and I've seen discussion online that, like, you just need to build the team around two-way players. That's the problem with this team. Well, they had the number five defense. (laughs) So at the end of the day, like, the offense is the problem. Their defense, whether it was smoke and mirrors, whether it can repeat itself next year, their defense was awesome this season. Uh, And it was good in both of these play-in games, right? Yep. So the problem is the offense. DeRozan is a fantastic offensive player, obviously, but he hurts the flow of the offense at times because he hunts mid-range shots. He holds the ball. So it's tough. They do sort of need someone like DeRozan as well. Someone who could like thrive in crunch time because Lord knows Levine can't do it. Someone (laughs) who can take care of the ball and make good decisions when the chips are on the table. DeMar is up for the uh, the first crunch time award, which will obviously go to Jerry Fox. But it's De'Aaron Fox, DeMar, and I can't remember who the third person is. I think. Oh, it is Jimmy. You're right. Yeah. And Jimmy showed why last night. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So what should they do? I would like to see them break apart the team. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you need to go full scale rebuild. Like if somebody gives you, again, we're talking about teams being desperate. If someone gives you a DeJounte Murray or Donovan Mitchell trade package for Zach, you should probably take that. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think. Even I, though I think I'm a big Zach Levine fan. But yeah. like if someone's going to offer you three or four first round picks for him, you got to take that. I'm skeptical that trade's going to be on the table just because the teams who would be interested in him don't have the available picks. So it'll be fascinating to see. But, uh, you know, if there's a scenario where the Bulls can keep Zach, keep Pat, and even if they re sign Vooch to a short term deal, two year deal, maybe a three-year deal, but hopefully only a two-year deal. I would be fine with that, given that Vooch was just the centerpiece of a top-five defense. 
given that, uh, you know, his passing and playmaking sort of helps them unlock some half-court actions when they don't have a point guard and they're wasting a $20 million salary <laughs> slot on a guy who can't play, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not totally out on Vooch coming back. But I would move to Mark. So yeah. I guess that's sort of what I would like to see. And then obviously, give me some shooters. Yes. They need, at minimum, a sniper. At minimum. Like a Doug McDermott. Type of go get Max Struess. I don't even think Struess had that great of a shooting season. He's had good seasons in the past. I think he's a free agent. Uh, yes. Let me look at Struess's numbers this season. This year he was down at thirty five percent, but last year he was forty one percent on six and a half attempts. Uh, I mean, still like he's getting up attempts. He's getting up volume, and the Bulls just need a guy who can even sh- shoot above the league yeah. average at volume because they just need the fucking volume. So like not saying they need to go out and sign Max Schuess, but like a guy like that would they really just need on the team. And uh to the DeMar point, and because I was tweeting about similar things last night after the game, just like my early thoughts. What the thing about DeMar, he's been great, he's awesome, he rules, but like he's what 33, 34 now. He's got one year left on his deal. He probably is going to want an extension, which you just cannot you absolutely cannot give tomorrow an extension at this point. It was like, you just can't give like double down on this core and give tomorrow, whatever. Like you're certainly not giving him like whatever, a three or four year extension. Like that'd be just insane. So like you just can't give tomorrow an extension as, as, as cool as he's been, as good as he's been, you can't give new money to tomorrow. So like, but then you can't go into the season and just like ride it out with them. Like you need to get something for him. So like given what just happened in the season, you just have to trade tomorrow. I feel like, like, unless I mean, maybe they will run it back. I don't necessarily, and we. Don't, I guess it wouldn't surprise me, but they shouldn't. You're cashing on Demar now. Some team will give you something. Uh, I mean, even uh, we mentioned like Portland, like Memphis, maybe. Like, we'll see what happens with Memphis. Like, if they lose to the Lakers in the first round, because I do think their half court offense could use a bit more juice as well. Because they got Dylan Brooks who fires up garbage, and I mean, Jaw's good, and Bain is good, and JJJ is good, but they could probably use a little more half court offensive juice. So maybe like Demar could be. And like a good leader there, uh, given what's like been going on. There's going to be spots for him. Yeah, there's going right. to be spots for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and for he's he's making what twenty seven million, so it's not like a forty million dollar deal. Twenty seven million. Uh, we get he's for still one year. yeah, he's still very good. It's one year, so like you should be able to get something decent for Demar, even if it's not like the peak value that you could have gotten maybe at the deadline, but still get something. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So yeah, I would absolutely like to trade tomorrow. You mentioned the Zach stuff. Yeah, if someone puts a Godfather offer on the table, you got to listen, possibly pull the trigger and just go full rebuild, whatever. Sure, it would be painful again. 
and it's really not the right draft, correct? 2024 draft, not nearly as good. Well, it, I would say so. 24 and 25 both look like weaker drafts, but it's just so early. Crapshoot, like, yeah, crapshoot type stuff. Somebody so like, could emerge for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then when it comes to Vooch, if he wants to come back on whatever, a two-year deal, that's just not much fine, whatever. Like if it's not the end of the world if they do bring Vooch back and if they went forward with Zach, Vooch, Pat, like Kobe, uh, Fine, whatever. And I guess to bring up, we have not mentioned Patrick Williams' name yet. He was invisible yesterday. He took three shots, one three-pointer. Hit with two, I mean, he didn't do anything. He didn't do jack shit. So a really disappointing way for him to go out after he played really well uh, against the Raptors, even though he didn't shoot that great. Um, but I think another thing is just like, you need to see what Patrick Williams is next season. What we, th- we were hoping it was going to happen this season. He got better, but still, like we still have so many questions about just what Patrick Williams is as a player. So, like, moving out DeMar and maybe Vooch as well opens would theoretically, depending on what else they do, would theoretically open the door for maybe we get a Patrick Williams leap that we're hoping for. And if it doesn't happen, then it's maybe just isn't going to be in the cards for him to to take that kind of leap to the next level. He'll just be a good, solid 3 and D player for a long time. And, I mean, there's I think he will be a pretty good player for a long time, but just maybe not that impact guy they were hoping for. But at some point, they need to more see what they have in Patrick Williams in terms of more opportunity offensive opportunities uh, again maybe he just never takes advantage of it and that's just him and that's just who he's going to be but he's still so young so i think that's just another reason to possibly just move on and you kind of move forward with get a younger team you play with zach you keep if you keep zach you keep zach you have pat i would try to bring kobe back he did get a lot better i'm curious to see what kind of offers he is restricted free agency is just like so weird these days i feel like teams just like don't we saw what happened with lowry it's like teams just don't like sign these guys to offer sheets anymore. So like, is Kobe going to get what? 10 million, 12, like a, a mid-level deal. Will he get more than the mid-level? He's like, as even though he did get better, like I don't think teams are signing him to be their starting point guard. Like he's still just like a really nice, good bench player now, but how much is that going to be this off season as a restricted free agent? As long as it's not again, super, super, someone doesn't like drop 15 to 20 million on him a year. Like I'm bringing back Kobe. He's pretty good now. He's fine. He's a nice player to have around, especially if you are going to go to a little younger and you need the shooting still. So bring it back in. You add shooting. You need to find a veteran point guard who like a caretaker point guard. If anything, I I have no names right now. We'll talk about more of that that stuff down the road after we kind of dig into some options, but for whatever Patrick, Patrick Beverly did some nice things. And if they wanted to bring back him too on a minimum deal, fine, whatever, but, Patrick Beverly can't be your starting point guard. We'll see what they do with Caruso. Teams, we know contenders would want Alex Caruso. Uh, so if they want to trade him, fine. The problem with Caruso is just the injury stuff. It seems like they you know, like have to manage his minutes. And as impactful as he can be, and we've seen it can be, and we love the guy. I mean, I'd, I'd, if, if someone puts a, whatever, a first or two on the table for Caruso, I feel like you kind of have to take it just to rebuild that draft capital that you have because you're just not in a position to win. And he, Caruso just means so much more to a team that's trying to win a championship than what the Bulls are probably going to be doing in the next couple of years. So, so yeah. And in they, terms, I guess, back to the Zach, I was going to say, in terms like this, back to Zach for a second, we talk about teams, whatever, putting like a Murray or Mitchell trade. Like, I don't know if they're going to do that for Zach, but then we, we got the rumors about teams fucking offering three four first round picks for guys like og and michael bridges and michael bridges has all of a sudden exploded into like a 25 efficient 25 point per game score we'll see how he does in the playoffs against philly coming up here but uh maybe there will be a team that gets desperate and throws a shit ton a huge offer at zach and for zach i don't know who knows it seemed like you wanted to say something about caruso you got to cash in on caruso yeah he's like 30 am i correct yeah, he's on that? Good, he's the guy good is 
He is unbelievable. So damn good and impactful. If you were ranking the Bulls players by who's the most impactful, like he's he, fourth would be his floor. And you could easily put him ahead of any of the big three because he legitimately might be the most impactful defensive player in the league who's under 6'6". I mean, he is. He's the most impactful defensive player in the league under six. Yeah, it's like him and Drew and like maybe Mar- and like Marcus Smart, like those three guys, like your prime perimeter defenders. And what makes Crusoe so great is that he can slide up and basically defend anyone. His help defense is incredible. His point of attack defense is incredible. Uh, but he deserves to be on a team playing deep in the playoffs. And it's just a great asset for the Bulls to cash in on because he's on a very team-friendly deal, two years, 20 million left, or something like that. And any contender should be bending over backwards for that guy. Yep. So, you know, I was anyone who listens to the podcast knows I wanted two first round picks for him <laughs> at the trade deadline. If you can't get two for him, get one in a good player or one in a, a intriguing young guy who yep. could turn into something, maybe, because uh Caruso can truly change the fortunes of a basketball team. He can't change the fortunes of the Bulls because they're wasting a $20 million salary spot <laughs> on a guy who can't play in Lonzo. And because the team just doesn't have any shooting. So we'll see. Other thing I'd like to see next year, you got to find a spot for Dalen Terry in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. When you're burning as much draft capital as the Bulls burned, you can't just totally whiff on your picks. And Dalen Terry did nothing this season. I think he played the least amount of minutes of any first round pick in the league or, you know, in the bottom three of that category. Uh, he had no impact on the team whatsoever. You would like to think he could at least take on the He's a good vibes Garrett guy, Jones. Great vibes guy, but vibes can only get you so far. Right, you need yeah, encore production. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, you know, could he take on the Javante Green slash Derek Jones Jr. role next year? I'd like to think so. He's taller than Jones, the, right? He's six seven. Yeah, right? he's he's six seven, six yeah. eight. Could he be the the backup two guard next year? Uh, hypothetically, he's a really good fit with Zach with his defense, his connective passing. He's got to learn to, you know, hit a jump shot in the Bulls. Can you <laughs> hire a fucking shooting coach, Bulls, you idiots? Like, it's the, the problem is across the roster the with Io, yeah. too. Like, I, I, Io was a dis- like, he was so disappointing. Uh, I mean, he played a few minutes yesterday. I mean, it's total non factor. Same thing as the Raptors game and all that shooting hype we were thinking coming into the year from him just never materialized. Uh, and just the teams don't guard him, and I feel like he lost confidence as the year went on, and just the same thing, yeah, it's a similar thing with Dalen, too, just like, we know he's not a good shooter, like, they need him to get that jump shot up a little bit, especially with the way the team is right now, at least, uh, so yeah, just very disappointing stuff from the Bulls' last couple of draft picks, you're just getting very, you're getting almost nothing out of your last, last I mean, yesterday, last three drafts, whatever, we have last night, Patrick Williams had three points, or two points, whatever he had, Io had nothing in his whatever six or seven minutes, and Dale and Terry didn't play all season. That's brutal for your last three drafts of this, and that the only three drafts of this front office. You're getting nothing. That's gar. It's awful. It's terrible. It's not well good, said, man. Yeah, yeah. That's probably. Do you have anything else? Uh, do you have any thoughts on Patrick Williams? I guess I didn't let you have any. I know we've talked a lot about Pat. Any thoughts about? Just Pat in general moving God, forward. We've, if we've you had think... this conversation a million times yeah, yeah. throughout the year. But uh, I thought Pat established himself as being a solidly above average defensive player this year. 
I thought that the fact that he played all 82 games, if you would have told me that coming into the season, that's amazing, right? Like, especially after last year when he missed most of the year. We just needed to see him out there. But it is a bummer that it just seems like his offense didn't improve, really. Uh, His defense, I think, he solidified himself as a good defender at the four. Is he an all-NBA defender, all-defense defender? No. But he's solidly above average. I think he could become an Uh, all-NBA defender. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah, he's very young. So, yep. you know, by the time he's 25 or 26, yep. maybe he will be. Um, So I kind of think you just got to ride it out with Pat. But just don't call him the next Kawhi. <laughs> like, just stop the, like, ridiculous hype. Because yeah, at this absolutely. point, like, he, he just hasn't put together basically any good offensive performances in his entire career. He scored 20 points like five times in an NBA game, and like three of them are at the Don't end matter. of the regular season where it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do think that perhaps he could grow more offensively if there was more oxygen for him on the yeah. floor. I think it's very difficult for someone in his position who is, you know, the fourth or fifth option on the floor at all. And he's times. just like de- deferential by nature, it seems he's like. Very- yeah. And he has a slow three point shot. Yeah. So that hurts too. He's got to continue to speed that up. Uh, but yeah, like when you got three high usage stars you're sharing the floor with, like there's just not going to be a lot of shots for you to get. And like you said, he passes up a lot of shots that he maybe could get if he could shoot the ball quicker, if he was more assertive, if he was more decisive. Uh, but you know what? I'm rocking with Pat. I, for those who I don't know how much we talked about this on the podcast. I think we did at least a little bit. But uh, I badly wanted to trade Pat for Jeremy Grant last year. Yeah. I was really we talked. Yeah, we talked about that. I think we were both kind of in on that because that was when the Bulls were the top seed. And it was like, maybe they have a chance here to maybe go on a deep playoff run. And Pat's just he's hurt. Uh, and even if he comes back, he's just not ready to impact a winner. So if like you're going to go in on this core, trade him and you get someone. Yeah, like a, a, a proven veteran for. OK, but given the fact that Lonzo can't play. Yeah. Now I'm happy that they didn't yeah. do that trade. Yes. And I'm kind of just like, even if Pat's not a star, you took him with the fourth pick. He can play defense. He's the type of player who teams need. He's the only forward on the entire roster. Right. So let's rock with Pat. Yeah. And we'll see uh, We'll see how he develops. You don't want to put too much pressure on him. I would like to see them put him in more of a position to thrive offensively next season. Uh, he, you know, coming into the year, so much of the discourse was like, Patrick Williams is the weight of the franchise on his shoulders. If he blossoms, the Bulls could be really good. If he doesn't, the Bulls will be average. He didn't, even though I think he, had he got better, but did not really blossom. Yeah, He didn't. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Let's rock with him. Let's continue to watch him grow. He's still very young. And... What is he like nine months older than Brandon Miller or something like? <laughs> yeah. You just got to be patient. You got to yeah. ride it out. But yeah. I think just like stop the the insane hype. Yeah. He's extension eligible this offseason, assuming that nothing is going to get done there. Um, I mean, if you can sign him to like a super team friendly thing, sure. But like, I'm assuming he's going to want to have a kind of like the Jimmy thing. Uh, the And I'm not saying he's going to be Jimmy. Like when Jimmy all of a sudden year four, like became an all star was most improved player. Not saying that's going to happen, but. I think the Bulls almost like one of their only paths of like hoping to be any good in the next few years is getting lucky and that Pat does have a breakout similar to that. Not again, not saying he's ever going to be Jimmy. Let's do as you've said, we're, we got to tamp that hype down, but having that kind of breakout 
that we saw Jimmy have in his in his fourth year in a prove it season is kind of what the Bulls one of their only ways out of kind of their morass right now is that Pat just kind of all of a sudden becomes that guy. Uh, and if you have Zach around and some maybe some of the other young guys and some shooting and Pat does become kind of that guy that may that could give you at least a little more hope for the future. And then if he doesn't, he doesn't. You're just probably just kind of fucked or maybe the Bulls rig uh, the lottery gets rigged and they get one banana and everything's all good. But yeah, so hope prove it year, hopefully for Pat, assuming they do keep him uh, and you just hope and pray that he does find it and he figures and he figures out how to. And he just kind of blossoms like that. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, I got nothing else. I think bowls wise. Uh, you have any final thoughts on this bulls team other than good riddance. <laughs> 8% chance to keep the pick baby. And that kind of sucks because throughout most of the season, it was like a 30 to 35% chance to keep the pick. They played themselves. <laughs> the bulls went all in on getting the number 10 seed. They went all in on trying to make the, the playoffs and they didn't make the playoffs. Even if they did make the playoffs, they were going to get stomped. So was this truly a prudent strategy? We saw the Blazers obviously tanking for the entire second half of the year. We saw the Mavericks tank so shamelessly and get fined. the Bulls in a late season game. $750,000. They got a huge fine. And the Bulls, uh, they played themselves 100%. They hustled backwards. And now they have an 8% chance. I do think the Mavericks are going to get screwed in the lottery. (laughs) So that means a team behind the Mavericks has to jump them. The Bulls are behind them. So I predict someone jumps the Mavericks. That's awesome. At least they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. (laughs) They don't deserve it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, dude. 1.8% chance at Wembenyama. 8% chance. It's like the Derrick Rose. That's basically, it's almost exactly the same odds as D Rose. Maybe they'll get lucky again. Or just rig the lottery. As simple as that. <laughs> um, before we wrap it up here, though, playoffs, the actual playoffs do start today. Who do you got? Who, who are you liking in these playoffs, Ricky? So if I had to pick a finals champion right now, very tough. It is tough. Uh, it's I'm very wide open. Off. It's kind of wide I'm open. Start this off by saying I, I believe in Denver. Do you? Nobody right. believes in Denver. I know. Yeah, I don't. The way they ended the season just feels so just the vibes just seemed off the end of the season for them. I just don't know if they could just turn that back on. Maybe they do. They obviously have Jokic, who's awesome, and they've got a really good team, but the vibes just seem so off at the end of the year. I don't know if they can turn it around. Go ahead. If I had to pick a team to come out of the West, I would pick Denver. Okay. Because I just don't know if I trust Phoenix's ability to stay healthy for yeah. four series. All those Phoenix guys are always hurt. Uh, and they've played eight games together with Durant. Yes, they're undefeated in those eight games, but it was against garbage competition. (laughs) So, yeah, it's totally wide open in terms of who could come out (laughs) of the West. I would pick Denver if you asked me to pick right now. Uh, I could easily see Golden State making the finals. Like, you would think Golden State should beat the Kings in the first matchup. They're, like, historically favored as a sixth seed. And then it's going to be Golden State would play the uh, the Grizzlies, Grizzlies Lakers, right? versus the Lakers. They're going to win that series. So really, Golden State probably has the best route to the finals now that I think about it. So actually, I'm going to pick Golden State. Oh, man. Despite the fact just, that they can't win on the road. Maybe they're getting Wiggins they back. The, they're getting Wiggins back, which is huge. If he can get back and kind of close to what he was. They've just had such a weird season. I just don't know if they can pull it together again uh, and win as a six seed. But I, I still wouldn't Bucks count it Warriors. out. Yeah, I would Bucks not Warriors. count it out. 
the the, the Suns thing is, I mean, they are like the like whatever talent wise, they are the whatever that top heavy talent is probably the most in the West. And so, like, if they stay healthy, I could see them winning, getting through there. Um, Memphis is probably just like an offensive player short. And just like they're kind of weird, they're they're missing two important big guys too, with Adams out and with Brandon Clark out. But it is Brandon Clark who's out for the year, right? And Adams is too. That's just like pretty brutal. I could, I would not surprise me if the Lakers beat the Grizzlies at all. Uh, the Lakers haven't; they obviously were really ugly in that Timberwolves yeah. playing game, but like they got LeBron and AD, and like their team in general is just much more well rounded now. And I could easily see the Lakers pulling that upset. I don't know if they can make it to the finals, but. Uh, they they could possibly go on a run, so like I would probably lean towards Phoenix, still just because of like the overall talent level. But obviously, if like KD goes down or if CP3 goes down, like that would make and like the lack of chemistry is tough. But they, I could see them just overwhelming with their talent and just scoring in the half court, and that's obviously super important in playoff games. But we'll see. And then the East, the Bucks just seem like a juggernaut right now. Middleton's health is such a huge factor. Uh, the Celtics seemed like they were going to be the team again in the East, but they've kind of. Weird vibes around them too with some of the Jalen Brown stuff and like they struggled a bit. Like the Celtics are probably the most well-rounded team in the East, but the Bucks have just been fucking crushing it. I would assume it's going to come down to those two again this time in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Sixers, it is I can't believe in the Harden and, and Doc thing, and uh, Embiid's awesome. He's probably going to win MVP, but I can't believe in them. Cavs Knicks should be a really fun series, but I don't think they're like the Cavs are ready yet, and the Knicks just aren't quite good enough yet either. Um, but so it's probably going to be get Boston and Milwaukee. I think I would lean Milwaukee now just because they've been kind of just rolling and Giannis is rolling, but like certainly would not surprise me if the Celtics get back to the finals either. Because again, I think two, in terms of like two way overall talent, the Celtics probably have the best team in the East, but they've just been kind of weird lately. And uh, the Bucks would have the best player in the series because Giannis is arguably the best player in the world, even though he's not going to be MVP. So thoughts on the East. Yeah. Just can't get there with the Sixers because of Harden and the doc. <laughs> it, it, it already seems like Harden's got one foot out the door. Like he's like, has his bags packed for Houston as an unrestricted free agent after the season. Uh, and Philly really does have, they should have a championship shot. If they were in the West, would they be the favorites in the West? Philly? I can see it possibly. Uh, yeah. If like the bracket was seated without conferences. Uh, I'm going to go Bucks. You. Have been calling the Bucks trash for most of the year. I have. They've played a lot better. They've gotten a lot better. I feel like as the year has gone on, the Middleton thing is does worry me though, which is why I guess like maybe that is going to be the Celtics again. But and the Celtics have played pretty well against them. I, th- I think I can't even remember. But like I said, I feel like the Celtics roster is better. But the but the Bucks, if they're healthy with Gian- if Giannis is rolling, it's just tough. I, I mean, I th- that's honestly a toss up for me for sure. Um, it should be a great series if they play again. The, their series last year was awesome. Obviously, that game seven was a blowout with Grant Williams going off, but um, it should be a really good series if that is the Eastern Conference Finals again. And I hope hope it is because it'll be fun. But yeah, so I'll go Bucks over Warriors is my final prediction. Okay, all right. What about you? You're right. I, I forgot that I'd called the Bucks trash like all year and called them frauds. But that earlier in the year it was just a, they were really weird. And, but they did have the Middleton injury thing, and like I said, if he is okay, then obviously just r- lives their ceiling. Like Drew's been like really good lately too. Giannis is Giannis, and they would have they added Crowder, who's like a nice role player for them. Javon Carter's had some interesting games. So and Brooke has been on. Brooke Lopez has been awesome. So really good team too. Uh, like I said, 
hopefully it has Bucks Celtics for the Eastern Conference Finals. That'd be fun to watch. So, in terms of actually winning the finals, yeah, I don't know. Let uh, I, I honestly can't make a pick. I'm going to be a coward, and we're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, that's going to do it for us this season. Thank you everybody for listening to this dreadful Bulls season. Uh, listening to us during this rough Bulls season uh, of basketball. Uh, we'll obviously have plenty to talk about going into the off season. Hopefully a big off season of changes, but that's going to do it for us here this season on cash considerations, H Cowboys podcast, as always shout out to the blue wire network. As we start up the playoffs here today on Saturday, please go check out all the other great pods all across the network for us here at cash. Please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, all those fun places. You can follow me on Twitter at bulls underscore J follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. Uh, follow all his great coverage on SB Nation as well. So, we're free. As you said, Ricky, we are free of this pain of the 2022-23 Chicago Bulls. That is going to do it for us here this season at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.